0: open up a beer and you said get over here and record what's good hey everyone (laughs) i am jose carlos at yahweh on twitter y a h underscore w a y and at jose c Zapeta on instagram j o s e c like carlos z e p e d a i am a flight attendant by day sometimes night, but a media enthusiast by nature. I am currently aspiring to work in entertainment, starting with this podcast. And like before, I am joined with my amazing colleague and best friend, Nina. Yo, Nina, what's good?
1: Hi, I'm Nina at 9U on Twitter, so it's at N-I-N-E underscore U. And I'm currently back in school, but finishing up studying design and information science. And I previously worked in the music industry and I'm looking to get back into that. And of course I love media as well, which is why we have this podcast.
0: Yeah, so for those of you that are new, uh, this podcast has been resurged to provide you detailed information and topical conversation about what's good in the media and pop culture during these times when pop culture and the media are suffocating and traumatizing us and making us shook, we're looking for reasons to still pick up our phones and open our apps because every day it's getting uh, harder and harder. Yeah. Um. So we have some new formats. This would be our this is our fourth episode now, and it's been a little bit over a year since we've been recording, but we've been putting our brains together and coming up with some really fun segments for our listeners. And we'll start with our favorite tweets that we've been seeing recently in the past few weeks. Yeah. Do you want to go first, Nina?
1: No, you go first.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So, okay. Just recap. This week has been nuts. There's been missiles being launched everywhere. Um, who knows what's going to happen things are really scary politically in the world but the reason that we want to do this twitter segment is just because twitter is like actually my main source of news right now and also mm-hmm. best place for commentary in my opinion and i have a couple uh trump tweets a couple of funny <laughs> ones but um not actual trump because i don't follow that motherfucker um but like just I followed things.
1: him. I followed you him follow like, him? No, I used to for like a weekend because I was like, oh, I should stay informed. And I said it, oh, because I wanted it to notify me every time he tweeted just so I could like know what was going on. But I had to follow him to do that. But then it <sighs> was like too much. And after one weekend, I turned that off.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't deal with his like uh, moronic tweets. Like, and plus, I know I'm going to see them anyway. Like they're going to pop up on Twitter and like at least like his... I mean, most of them are really shitty. So, yeah. like, there's always going to be someone, like, joining in the conversation. I don't know. I just don't feel like I want to be responsible for having to follow dump, you know? <laughs> um, so one of my friends, he tweeted uh, shortly after the uh, 59 missiles that were launched to Syria. Um, my friend Sean at SOC so- so- Malpractice social malpractice he tweeted uh, kind of like a quote so it says dems like democrats he's a puppet of the kremlin and a traitor to the united states and then dems to dems not if he starts a war with assad though and it's like a picture of like james franco about to make out with himself in the mirror <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like t- um kind of like siding with trump you know with the whole thing of him supposedly bombing syria because of their chemical weapons and saving the children and so it's like kind of was getting like a good uh a good reaction from democrats but
1: even our friend group was like debating
0: yeah what was going on there yeah, I mean, I personally don't want to get too into it, but mm-hmm. i it's definitely, like, just because we're losing traction in the Middle East and because he's a dumb face.
1: Yeah. Um, well, one of my favorite tweets, well, I guess a favorite happening on Twitter is that Hari Neff started watching the L Word.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, no.
1: Yeah, and... Like today I have been re-watching it with our friend Brad, so I've been sending him these tweets and um,
0: <laughs> I'm dead.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's been not like every day, but um, it's been something that's been popping up on her Twitter for the past few days. And one of the tweets I sent my friend today was at uh, Hari and I've tweeted, okay. The L word is wild. This pregnancy sex scene in the Chateau Marmont pool. Yes.
0: <laughs> no, that's so good. And we were I just felt like,
1: watching that episode like a few weeks ago, too. Is,
0: is that in season one? Because I feel like I, I saw a lot of crazy sex scenes in just like the first six episodes of season one that I watched.
1: I think it's the beginning of season two.
0: OK, so then, yeah,
1: like every episode is a crazy sex scene.
0: How is that show so crazy? I mean, it's one of those that like I do want to keep watching. I just always forget that it's there. <laughs>
1: yeah, and also Harinaf like tweeted the other day about how tragic it was that um, Pam Greer was cast as heterosexual in that show. She's like, I want to remake it. <laughs>
0: like <and she's laughs> the L too.
1: And she's been posting pictures of Pam Greer and. She also tweeted yesterday, "This is now a Pam Greer fan blog."
0: <laughs> I have to say, Hari Neff is by far one of my favorite uh, Twitter users of all time.
1: Yeah, she also tweeted like right around then, um, men should not be allowed to write about Lana Dore <laughs> uh,
0: that's very true <laughs> i could I could get behind that, <laughs> yep. Yeah, Um, Another one of my favorite Twitter users that I have recently been drawn to, Uh um, particularly after Charlie XCX's album, the one that just dropped, the one that so she features this rapper. Her name's Cupcake. And her Twitter is just like. Insanity. I just want to do like a two sentence like quick background. Oh my god. I haven't even I, oh my <laughs> Go god. Ahead. So and like the like the week that I've been following her, um, she Somebody tweeted at her and was like, "Hey, yo, cupcake, can I borrow eighty dollars, please?" And she was like, "Yeah, what's your PayPal?" Oh <laughs> and she and she like sent this person eighty bucks. She was like, "I'm serious. Like, I got this money now. I like, might as well give it to someone." Oh my god! <laughs> she I was doing that. the Kim K, like the Kim K, um, like the Yeezy tweets. <laughs> I wanna, but
1: I wanted, but tweet. that's not even. Sorry, I was gonna say like I've been wanting to tweet at Kim K to give me some Yeezys.
0: I know. I feel like we should try, we should try that on our on our secret incognito Twitter. Okay. That we share. Might as well. I mean, what yeah. if we ha- what if we get it? <laughs> we all but
1: share one pair of Yeezys.
0: We all share one pair of Yeezys. Like all six of us who share that Twitter account. <laughs> that would be fine. That's yeah, fine. that would be. Um. So my favorite, one of my favorite tweets that cupcake has tweeted and she's at cupcake rapper with two K's underscore before rapper. Uh, She said, did you all miss me while I was sucking a fart out someone's ass? (laughs) 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 She says the most ratchet shit. It's so crazy. I like, I like, I want to be like as ratchet as that kind of.
1: (laughs) That reminds me of the tweet that I shared with you guys the other day from Katy Perry who was like, I'm so tired, I can't even fart.
0: (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I chuckled when I saw that one. (laughs) Uh, Good. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, so did you have any more tweets or should we go to our
0: next segment? Yeah, I mean, I I had two more. Is it it crazy? I mean, they're kind of (laughs) Trumpy. But... This one I just thought was really interesting because I had this like thought that came to me after I read it. But this guy, Josh Pattern or Josh Patton, literally don't know who he is, but he was just popping up because he was like getting lots of retweets. Um, I retweeted it because I liked what he said. He said, "If anyone can dig up any evidence of Trump contradicting himself, he's toast." Because I just like don't understand what like because people have been posting tweets that he's done like from like 2012 and especially regarding like the involvement in Syria. He was critiquing Mm -hmm. Obama for the involvement that we were in in Afghanistan during his presidency at -hmm. the time. And also did say something about Syria, but that was like years ago. And I honestly don't really find those tweets well, none of his tweets are credible, but I don't find <laughs> I don't find like the ones from back then credible either, because I feel like I tweeted some ratchet shit in twenty twelve that I wouldn't agree with anymore, you know?
1: Yeah, I think I remember seeing when he posted like the exact thing that he was doing, like he was like Obama's bombing Syria while he's playing golf, and that's like literally what he was doing that weekend.
0: <laughs> that's literally his presidency. That's all he's been doing is like killing people and golfing. That's fucking ass. And okay, wait. Did I know we were watching Girls like in our little book club? Mm-hmm. But did you end up finishing it?
1: No, I got like f- five episodes in tops, probably mm. four.
0: Well, this isn't really a spoiler. It's just like a funny tweet. <laughs> okay. um, this dude, Sam Adams, I think he's an editor for Slate. Mm-hmm. At Samuel A. Adams, I just saw this today. He's he tweeted. The last scene of girls is Hannah writing the Kendall Jenner Pepsi ad.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Like, that's like actually the only funny tweet I've liked about the Kendall Jenner Pepsi ad, because a lot of them have been like, oh, like, why didn't Trump just give Syria a Pepsi? Like, I think that stuff's stupid. But um, I don't know. I did like the (laughs) the uh, Lena Dunham.
1: She would write that
0: ad. I know, right? She'd be thinking, like, wow, this is the coolest ad. Like, like get a mainstream celebrity to bring peace to the resistance. <laughs> like, <laughs> although, I mean, when she, if she hears this, she'll be like, that dude, Jose, is, like, fucking dumb. I would never write that. And then, like, she probably did think about something similar. Sorry, Lena, don't know you, but I might see you around Brooklyn. I don't know.
1: If you're listening, please don't write an expose about us. Or please don't. Did, please do, because that would give us actually, so much publicity.
0: Oh yeah, actually that's so true. Actually, Lena Dunham, when you get a hold of this, please give us your thoughts on the Kendall Jenner Pepsi ad and whether or not your character and girls or you would have written it. Thank you.
1: Please <laughs> confirm or deny whether you wrote that ad.
0: <laughs> at Lena Dunham. We should tweet at her too, actually. <laughs> no, <laughs> Ask her. Um but okay. Yay, cool. So those are our tweets. Um, We have this kind of new flow that we want to try out with the episodes where we bring up our topics and we do like a little brief uh, overview as to what we're going to talk about. And then uh, after that's done, we count down from three. And um, after one, we have to say whether we think it's hot or not. So... Um, that'll kind of be like the flow of the show. And today's topic that we were really interested in talking about was the band that kind of got like a, a quite a bit of headlines around, uh, like BuzzFeed and stuff a few weeks ago, but it was still like a really interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. It's this band from China called FFC A Crush. Essentially it's members who are all like really cute like young looking boys in this boy band but the twist is that they're actually all female so they're this young androgynous boy bands but they're mm-hmm. all girls and uh the internet was just like what is this because <laughs> they look like yeah. like like cute little like guys you know like yeah, if like, i was a teenager teenager I, I would definitely think that they're hot
1: <laughs> yeah they look like typical like chinese boy band
0: yeah yeah and they actually have like really cool clothes and stuff okay mm-hmm. but okay before we get super into it nina on three okay from starting from three okay, right?
1: yeah you count out
0: okay three two one hot hot Yay! Yes. <laughs> Yay, awesome. Yeah, I thought this was, like, such a cool thing to uh, to see um, on the mm-hmm. Internet. And I feel like, I mean, how do you feel that this is going to progress gender roles in China or in Asian pop culture in general?
1: Um, I think before we get into that, like, mm. you did a lot of research. So a bit of the backstory on them, just for anyone who maybe hasn't read these articles or looked into it is that um in your research i know you found that the a and a crush is short for adonis which is the greek god of male beauty (laughs) and um ffc stands for fantastic football confederation
0: right which is like it's like the um, it's a brand of this label so they have other bands that have the ffc prefix added to their, uh, name and they're all kind of like this, like the brand for this is that they're all, uh, cute little soccer players. (laughs) Like that's like their little like shtick.
1: Yeah. And all the ones that are not in a crush, like just the, on their website, it says regular team members. Um, they're all, well, (laughs) they're also all female, but they're really hyper feminize the way usually like Chinese pop groups are. So it's pretty interesting that they have this like androgynous gender bending group but then still everything else they have is they're still like doing the traditional gender roles. They're just, just both female, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a interesting like group or like way like to make it like the only well, only way it's cohesive this entire thing is through the prefix and the fact that they all had to learn how to play soccer <laughs> You know, like the label supposedly said that like they had to play learn how to play soccer because it shows off their positive energy
1: <laughs> and um, the f- they were first they don't even have a single out yet, the A Crush, it's expected to come out at the end of this month, April 2017. But they performed at a university at a, quote, husband exhibition, which husband is a term in China that fans use to call mostly boy band pop stars, you know, charming and about how they want to marry them. (laughs) Um, So these girls, this was their day, oh, women, young women, the youngest one's 18. Their debut is at this husband exhibition.
0: <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, I, they honestly like, I mean, traditionally do look like a boy band. So yeah. um, all of their fans that they've been getting and a lot of the attention because they have a pretty big fan page on, is it Weibo, Which yeah. is like the... Yeah, it's like a Twitter of, like, Chinese Twitter. Uh, they have, like, a huge, like, fan page, and a lot of their fans are young, like, teenage, college-age women, like, Chinese women, which is, like, kind of cuckoo. And what's what's kind of, like, we did a little bit of research on the queer history and gender history of China, and mm-hmm. one of the things that um, is prominent right now is that you actually it's kind of like a don't ask don't tell situation in China especially if you're in pop culture you're not supposed to disclose your uh your sexual orientation and I know for sure the label doesn't want to be associated with sexual orientation so they um are not allowed to reveal yeah what their sexual preference is
1: and the label behind them well it's like a co-venture between an entertainment company and then Tencent, which is, like, a huge Chinese media company. Like, they have all kinds of – they have their hands on, like, all kinds of media. So it's, mm. like – well, I guess a lot of um, Asian pop is corporate. <laughs> like, they have these companies <laughs> behind it. That's so like, corporate androgynous pop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but – okay well one of the uh, well another like uh thing that i saw was um that i just found out about this person um who is also i would say under very corporate because the way it sounds is that this label is kind of like a big label like warner brothers or mm-hmm. like a viacom yeah. of some sorts yeah so it's and, and and like china traditionally is is not very like were super receptive of exported media and yeah. like com- imported media into their country. And, um, they, uh, they, I feel like they just have a lot of control. I lost my train of thought for a second, but essentially there was this, uh, there's this person who's actually like super phenomenal. Her name is Lee Yu Chun and she was the first androgynous Chinese, pop star she won like a chinese equivalent uh mm-hmm. american idol type competition and yeah. has gotten like record labels she's getting like custom made wardrobes from giovanni and making videos all the time but her look is very androgynous she could es- essentially be a crush's older brother <laughs> if you will and like she kind of opened up the door for queer, queer yeah. Excuse me, queerism and androgyny, which so I thought was like interesting, and also it's just kind of interesting to see how well-received it is from yeah. the Chinese public, particularly the young women.
1: Yeah, and I think she probably opened the door for like contemporary androgyny.
0: In Chinese
1: media because of my research I did see that the like the first person who was responsible for exporting the Beijing Opera to other countries was actually a guy who would play a win a woman in these roles and he became friends with like Charlie Chaplin and all these people and but I mean there were still people in his con- own country that didn't like the way that he was approaching China to the world
0: Because of, like, the gender that Um, he was bending? or
1: So I saw there was a leading Chinese male intellectual named Lu Zun, X-U-N. I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. But Uh basically a quote from him was, like, that he was worried that this guy who was named Mei Lanfang. And he was straight. Like, he had a wife and kids. Well, I don't know if he was straight. I shouldn't. (laughs) But
0: <laughs> Don't just assume people are straight because they have wives. <laughs> Sorry. Um,
1: anyways, yeah, he was a male opera singer known for portraying females. He had a 50 year career. Um, so, this intellectual oh. guy, Liu Zun, was worried that he was showing China with an effeminate image for the Western gauge, gauge, gaze. Mm. gaze. gaze. Um, and he was also concerned about the way they looked to the Soviet Union. And he was Basically, this intellectual was like, "Who has the right to represent China, and why is this guy representing China as like the eternal beautiful feminine as a man, and he's also representing China as a female impersonator?" Um, yeah, so that was, the know, was that. Like in
0: the tw- like in the twenties.
1: Um, so this guy. He, Mei Lan Feng, first performed on stage in 1905, but that was when he was 11, so I'm sure it was a while before he rose to prominence, but he had a career for 50 years after that.
0: Wow, so yeah, okay, so he definitely became a Chinese export, like, a little bit later. Yeah. Wow, that's that's crazy. I mean, so China, like, in general, like, the women, the way that, I mean, just in a very, like, quick, like, general Wikipedia summary... (laughs) (laughs) Like, they, like, women, like, in most other countries, and it's especially, like, very comparable to the U.S., like, I don't necessarily think they had, like, a women's suffrage movement, but, like, of course, the, like, women were uh, traditionally just wives and prostitutes and, like, uh, China has a long history with foot binding, which is kind yep. of like, obviously, I mean, it was seen as to be like a noble thing to do to attract husbands in the future. And uh-huh. some of that stuff went on till the early, early uh, 20th century, which is like really fucking crazy to and think about.
1: I also think it's like pretty rare, though, to find a country that didn't have stuff like that going on.
0: Yeah. 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 Um,
1: like, 'Cause I feel like when they find these ancient societies that were run by women, it's like amazing.
0: Right. I know, yeah, that's that's so true. I it would be great to look back and be like, oh, like, uh we were a country not run on male fragility, uh, for once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so okay, so like how do you going back to A crush? Mm-hmm. So what is this saying about progressing gender roles and just pop culture in general
1: i thought it was cool like even if tencent wasn't i mean i i don't know i'm guessing they weren't in their corporate boardroom like let's deconstruct gender roles right but, like they probably are. like oh we have this concept for women like this women soccer club band but we still want to capitalize on the traditional like boy band mania is what I assume Mm. so then they did this but I think they unintentionally are exposing these young women because a lot of posts that we've seen are like these girls like wow like wow I must be gay (laughs) like
0: right (laughs) well see what I thought was like really cool is that um it's kind of I mean, in a way, it's, like, bad. You can't, like, disclose... I mean, obviously, it's bad. You can't disclose your sexual orientation. But it kind of forces people to have to separate gender from sexuality, which is, like, still a really new thought for any mainstream or any major uh, global, like, community, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's what's giving, like... The trans movement, like, finally some, like, mm-hmm. progress and, and not just, like, letting all history be dictated by, like, white people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and go ahead.
1: Oh, you go ahead first. I was going to go on another tangent.
0: No, please do, because I I was not. I'm done.
1: <laughs> okay. Because I was going to bring up how it reminded me of tattoo for, you know, different reasons. Like, tattoo were the fake... Lesbians, but and they were also created by you know some guy that was like, I need to create this band and get rich or whatever. Uh, Aha, lesbian
0: Russian girl group.
1: Yeah, and they were definitely exploited because they were like 14 when he put them together. So thankfully, this band is like 18. Yeah, but I think even though they were fake lesbians, it's still like they got so popular and really gave public like mainstream visibility to these quote-unquote lesbians and like it was like a mainstream thing for once and it I remember it was like a huge moment and I think a lot of at least from people I know a lot of like young gay people like really latched onto that or it was cool mm-hmm. to see that so I think yeah. in, in the same way like maybe that wasn't their intent but it's cool to see them portraying gender roles differently in the mainstream
0: yeah it's it's kind of a i would say maybe like a paradox in a way too because if you have just if you're kind of comparing tattoo to a crush it's like they're similar because they're both ran and like ideas of men who like created these groups um so it's definitely still maybe geared towards maybe the main difference actually would be that this band is geared towards the female gaze as opposed to like tattoo, which was about like the male gaze. Cause I I, like, I remember I posted that, um, the tattoo VMAs video in our group
1: Yeah,
0: and like P Diddy was like, it was a VMA performance where tattoo like, uh, for not going to get us and they take off all their clothes and they're running around the stage with like 200 other women and white women, white women, with, like, just, like, white bras and panties and, like, Pete mm-hmm. is like, trying to, like, snatch some of the clothes and stuff. <laughs> like, like the people who were, like, super into it were definitely men. I mean, and obviously, yep. like, but at the same time, like you were saying, it, it was, like, a really good first I mean, I mean, for me, too, like, a good first, like, intro to, like, same-sex orientation. Yes,
1: yeah, so I think they were probably originally like, created I don't know, I predict this manager, they had to be, like, super gross. And I remember they sued him for, you know, what he did later and continued their careers, which I thought was cool. But, yeah, he probably created it for his own, like, weird male gaze but ended up creating this thing that was bigger than that. And then they mm-hmm. were able to go on without him. I mean, one of them is, like, pretty homophobic when it comes to male male. Homosexuality, which isn't, but so I don't even want to go into that. But
0: I know we actually would be interesting if we did go into that on another episode, like tattoo as like an idea of and like what they do.
1: Oh my god, I've I have so many thoughts about tattoo. I've followed their (laughs) whole career even after they like went weren't as prominent after their first album.
0: You followed all the things she said.
1: (laughs) I followed all the things they said. Um, yeah, so that file that in our future episode ideas down. Um, yeah, and so one of the I know one of the other questions you were interested in was like how would a band like this be perceived in the United States, and what do you think about that about a crush if they were like in the U.S.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that the only like, I can't think of another, like, good comparison, honestly, besides tattoo that has become popular in the U.S. I mean, I I think that the sort of, like, subculture in the U.S. is, yeah. like, really good at getting uh, their their stuff out. But I guess the difference with, like, the sort of more like underground or whatever you could say, or like subculture type music, Mm -hmm. you have to kind of like seek out. I still think that we as a, especially as like the, as like the pop culture exporting country of the world, like we are so far behind on, on even distinguishing sexual orientation from gender. And Mm -hmm. Like, we're, we're just, like, lacking in the department. Um What were your thoughts?
1: Um, Yeah, I haven't really thought about it, but I guess you're right. Like, I can't think of any more mainstream band that has done anything like this. Like, I think, obviously, there's definitely, like, in the underground, there's mm-hmm. all these artists that don't conform to gender, but I don't think there's been, like, a corporate backed
0: group right yeah I know it's definitely like we're like the the things that do go viral that come into the U.S. or mm-hmm. that even the, like come that come to us I'm trying to think of like popular dance moves like uh, everything is so it's just very heteronormative like I don't know maybe this this A Crush's band virality will give China kind of like an in into like the export world of like what Mm -hmm. that, of what that is like, kind of like how K-pop and J-pop are pretty popular throughout the world. Um, but also give it that like new, I wouldn't say new edge because androgyny is like, I would say, you know, it's, it's been done before, but, but kind of just. That gender separation, that's gonna be that's like a whole new thing for people to have to like forcefully digest when taking in this music.
1: Yeah, I think probably it's mostly just in like contemporary culture, because I feel like there's a whole I don't know about in Western culture, but like definitely in non-Western cultures a lot of them I've been looking into recently like, there's a long history of having more than two genders. Um, like, mm-hmm. some cultures have three or four or even five. And, like, I was looking into it because our friend Lisa, like, so so one way that her, I, she couldn't really translate it properly because her mom told her, in, or her mom is from Japan. Um, but basically, her mom told her that, the way she would describe her is neither man nor woman <laughs> and this mm. and so then i had she had me like looking up cuz i was like i think there's like a tradition of that in japan so i was looking that up and i was kind of telling her about non western cultures have a having a long history and like definitely native americans and india and i don't mm-hmm. really know about china cuz i haven't looked into it but I think there's like a long history of that that's been forgotten. So it's hopefully coming back.
0: The way that it seemed like for China, particularly, like just based on some like journal entries I read mm-hmm. from like uh, Google academic papers or whatever, like they're, they've been pretty like male, female, okay. the entire, most of the history, like there was definitely times within history where women were more empowered and mm-hmm. um respected more as individuals but it's never been on this magnitude i think where uh, where where yeah. gender in general can be considered ambiguous
1: okay that's interesting
0: yeah yeah that that's that's i think i mean at least i think that's right i mean Cause I know that foot binding started like the 11th century okay. and um, it's still like a, like this, that's everything that's going on with this band particularly is such a new like thing. So, but I think that, that topic was covered really good, Nina. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah. I think I was just thinking about like how, particular in my research anyways looking up for my friend who is neither man nor woman um, that I've, there's a th- there was a third gender in Japan back in mm. the day where it was it was um, young males who would present themselves as this I think effeminate like third gender and then both, grown men and grown women would like sleep with them and it made it okay that they were of this third gender um
0: oh my well, god yeah
1: i mean they were a lot of them i think were underage, age but <laughs> um but i mean some of them like stayed in this i think they once they reached a certain age they like aged out of this stage but um a lot of them like stayed in it until they're like 18 or maybe early 20s
0: so you grew out of this gender that's really interesting
1: i'll have to do more research but yeah it was particularly just young boys it wasn't like something that stayed with them for life it was just young boys and it made it okay for both men and women
0: to to, them around
1: and sleep with them
0: right wow that's really interesting yeah i would be i would definitely like to know more about that yeah um But we should move on to our next segment. Yes. The next thing that we want to talk about, did you want to introduce sort of the idea behind it?
1: Yes. We want to do a recurring segment where we talk about the album art behind um, noteworthy albums that come out or albums that particularly have interesting art that sparks conversation and kind of look at it from that perspective instead of having it just be about the music, because I think we're both very interested in like visual art and how that goes with music, and artists that do a good job at combining those. Um, so Kendrick Lamar's album came out yesterday. It's Saturday now, so yesterday, April 14th, on a Friday. Good Friday. Good Friday, oh my God. Did that. you say Black Friday? No, I said, I don't know what I said, but I did not say that.
0: <laughs> came out on Black Friday, April 14th
1: no good oh good friday that's funny um yeah so his album damn and yeah it has this album cover which is like a picture of kendrick lamar it's not even like it's a very interesting photo where it's kind of like he's making this weird expression and looking downwards and there's kind of a magenta background and he's wearing a white shirt and over that in what I believe is Times New Roman. It says DAM in red in all caps and it really contradicts against the background. Like it's not visually pleasing at all.
0: Yeah, it's very well and also the text itself like the D is kind of cut off at the beginning and then the period kind of bleeds off the picture as well.
1: Yeah, and then the only other thing besides the text in that photo is the Parental advisory explicit content, kind of like it's not even hidden in the corner, it's kind of raised and probably bigger than they are required to have it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so one of the people who is involved with the creation. I was reading his Twitter and actually Wait, wait do
0: you want to say if we think it's hot or oh, not first? Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You do a countdown.
0: Okay, okay, okay. Three, two, one. Hot. Hot. Oh, you didn't do it. I said hot. Oh, I said it really loud then. <laughs>
1: okay. Um, yes, we agree. It's hot.
0: We're good. Are we going to agree on everything? We should find something that we don't agree with someday. But I mean, in the meantime.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like if we do it about things we're going to be talking about a lot of times, it's going to be hot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, props.
1: Um, yeah, but anyways, this guy who was involved with the concept, he wasn't one of the main like designers on it um even though a lot of media were reporting that he was because i assume that based on his tweets um but anyway his name is vlad sapatov at V S E P E T O F T O F T O V on twitter um and so he was tweeting about the album because it came out and like became a meme like people were like what is this this is ugly um like who is this designer like this is bad but anyways he was tweeting how part of the concept behind it was um, kind of like so one of his tweets was I'm incredibly proud of this cover I sort of bucked a lot of what my teachers taught me I wanted to make something loud and abrasive and he kind of went on about making it like bare bones and kind of not you know like not pleasing just to be pleasing. And I think it's the same people that were involved in the to pimp a butterfly artwork, which is, Mm -hmm. which was like very good and totally on the different spectrum. And he tweeted, they like didn't want to make it as overtly political as the last one, but they wanted to make it like challenging, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, so I actually found the uh, Kendrick Lamar quote about, uh, what he was envisioning with this album mm-hmm. and he he said that essentially to, to, to pimp a butterfly butterfly was addressing the problem and right now he's in the right space to where he's not really just addressing the problem anymore he said we're in a time where we exclude one major component out of this whole thing called life god So it's, I mean, one thing that Lamar has done really well recently, at least with this album artwork, is that, like, To Pimp a Butterfly was very loud as well, where it was, like, essentially just a crowd of mostly Black people in front of a White House. And this one is loud in the way that it's the just a, like, red text that's not really pleasing. Like, you know, it's not even, like, at least Helvetica. And I'm pretty sure they saw that and were like, yeah, like this is, this is what we want. And, you know, it kind of, so kind of comparing it to the music, Mm -hmm. his first single that came out is Humble. And even though it's loud and also this actually is another comparison with the song Humble itself, because Humble is telling all of the, his competitors like Drake and big Sean essentially to like humble down because in the video of humble, he's represented himself as Jesus and as God mm-hmm. in general. So like in a way I feel like the album art is an, and humble and association with the album art are both good starting points for that album because they both kind of represent a paradox as to what he's what he's saying so like him in the song humble he's jesus he's god he's better than everybody but at the same time like by nature he's humble and then this album art the paradox would be that the album cover itself is so plain but Mm -hmm. it's at the same time really loud yeah and kind of creates a similar vibe from the entire thing.
1: And the only other thing that I really, um, well, I guess the only other element really is the parental advisory. And someone tweeted at this designer who was behind the concept that he said that um, basically the parental advisory sticker placement was like the only thing that critique that he had of it. But then the Vlad. Sepetov designer replied saying that they wanted to make that parental advisory logo part of the design and not an afterthought and like why make it small let's make it huge and embrace it damn
0: I mean this yeah literally if somebody is still concerned about a parental advisory and (laughs) wants like politically correct and uh, censored music they're not gonna buy an album called damn yeah (laughs) Like, unless it's about, like, dams, like the Hoover, but, like, <laughs> that's uh, we should have a parody album about dams. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I okay. Part of the memes I saw was, like, people, I think Kendrick might have even retweeted them, was retweeted one of them, which is how I saw it, but it was, like, someone did an illustration of him, like, It's a cowboy and a horse, and it's a darn really
0: big. (laughs) I saw that. It's like a little illustration, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's it's super good. Um, I mean, I just think that the LMR in general is like, it is really captivating because it's not designery looking Mm -hmm. at all. It's definitely super aware of of what it's trying to represent.
1: Yes. Yeah. I agree. I
0: mean, good. I'm glad that we both find it to be hot. And also I just want to add that apparently, so one thing that the album does is that it starts with him getting shot and then it ends with him getting shot. So there's a couple of things that the internet has conjured together and sort of is anticipating that he'll release another album this Sunday after Good Friday. So it's, (laughs) since he's representing himself as Jesus in the humble video, for instance, like Jesus died on Good Friday, but is resurrected on Sunday, Easter Sunday. And so they're trying, like I read an article that was like putting all these pieces together and saying that he is uh, going to release another album on Sunday, which is, pretty exciting and also there's some previous lyrics that he has from uh one of the songs that was released this year that he made where he essentially says like he hits everyone up again and i think it might
1: happen <laughs> maybe he'll do like a mixtape or an ep or something
0: yeah i mean right now there's I'm trying to think of like another hip-hop person that has released the two albums back to back because i remember Uh, Beach House last year released an album and then next thing you know they had another album like that same weekend Hmm. I mean I think yeah it'd be awesome I think it's kind of like becoming a thing and also it kind of like prove his point of like being better than Drake and Big Sean or whatever I mean by numbers if you if you will by like releasing more albums in a more timely manner
1: yeah and he had that mixtape that he released was it last year too
0: yeah he did it was uh the one with the green cover like untitled something or other yeah 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 i actually didn't listen to that one too much but this one is really good i highly recommend people to listen to it it is it is deeply rooted in religion and just well i should say just a god in general but Surprisingly, my favorite song on it is XXX and it's featuring you too, which is like not the collaboration I was anticipating to like.
1: <laughs> yeah, I haven't gotten to that track yet, but I'm excited to.
0: It's good. It's a really good mixture of like bangers and also just like really soothing production and obviously the content's heavy, but like kind of how I digest albums is I like listen to the production first. It takes me forever to get past that and then just listen to the words. And I know that's like a kind of a problem, but I mean, like it's I mean, but like I can still do it. Like I just did with humble. So.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I like how his albums like tend to tell a story. It's not Mm -hmm. just music track, music track. Like he has these little bits between them and intros and outros.
0: Right. He's so good at that because even with the songs he was featured in, like I'm thinking about the song that he did with Flying Lotus, mm-hmm. the Never Gonna Catch Me Now, where Never it's like the video yeah. is like the two kids. The is so good. So good. They're like they're in L.A. in his old neighborhood because I recognize that area um, and like the kids the dancing in it and it's like the story of like their funeral it's just ah, it's so good
1: yeah so we recommend this album and we'll see if he releases anything else soon
0: yeah and then hopefully it's like under a similar aesthetic of mm-hmm. album art because it's i like guess it's, it's a it's pretty much like a new thing like i don't know I haven't seen something like that before i think
1: yeah so
0: yeah. hot hot. (laughs) Um, Do you think we should maybe start closing out the show? Yeah. Our last
1: bit that we do every time is we end with our favorite things um, of recent past. And so my favorite thing was this meme that our friend shared in our Slack group. It was... She shared it from Instagram and it's since been taken down and I haven't seen it anywhere else. But I saved the image and... We can attach that to show notes. But anyway, it's this meme. Um, It's you versus the girl they tell you not to worry about. And it's two photos next to each other. The left one is Kendall Jenner giving the policeman a Pepsi. (laughs) And the right one is this girl. So she went viral kind of recently. It's this girl in the UK, or young woman, and she's laughing at this far right protester as he like looks angrily at her and the internet like loved that um and so
0: basically Uh, i honestly had no idea what (laughs) yeah yeah, yes i I, I did not follow it
1: yeah i really like this meme because there's like so many layers to it like so her story is the image on the right is that there's a protest by the EDL, the English Defense League in the UK, which is like a far right group that's against Muslims and like bringing their way of life and ruining whatever, etc, etc. And so BuzzFeed News interviewed the girl that was photographed laughing at him, and she kind of just went to hang out and like watch it. But then when they started surrounding a lady that was wearing a hijab, she kind of stepped up and got like she wasn't there to start confrontation but once they did that and they're surrounding a muslim woman she kind of stepped up and got in their face and this guy's like yelling at her and she's just like laughing at him
0: oh um, my god that's such a that's so good actually like those two together
1: yeah and i liked that it was like you know the kendall jenner pepsi thing yeah this other thing that went viral and then the fact that so the you versus the girl they tell you not to worry about is a spin off of the you versus the guy they tell you not to worry about memes right. on Twitter, where they post two images next to each other. And one is like, you know, some like one of them is like there's a, a frog dumb. on the left, and then on the right, it's <laughs> Pepe on his unicycle. <laughs> um, that so, boy, yeah, oh no, yeah, that boy, sorry, wrong mm-hmm. meme.
0: Um <laughs> Yes. No, this is, like, a smart-ass meme, yo.
1: Yeah, so they, like, took that, which is the guy they tell you not to worry about. They flipped it for the girl, and then they had these two timely topics that, like, were juxtaposed so well.
0: That's so good. I feel like so many memes right now are so not even, like... Like, I'm, I'm like, losing steam on memes, TBH. Like, there's not very many good memes anymore.
1: Losing memes steam?
0: I'm losing meme steam. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: I'm really into like there's this whole like niche of like feminist memes, especially on Instagram. And I've been mm -hmm. really into those lately. Like they're very smart. Um, Like one of my favorite accounts on Instagram is RIP Anna Nicole Smith. And it's basically all these feminist memes and I highly recommend it.
0: You know, we should do a meme segment because memes have evolved so much during and post-election mm-hmm. that like we can talk about how brands like Gucci and there's this other brand I saw today. It was like a like a watch brand or like a startup brand of some sorts that um, they they're doing literal editorial memes that are being used to go like viral on the internet to attract customers. And like that whole, the idea is kind of like it's way different than how memes were.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think they're definitely evolving. And, um, especially like these feminist memes, I think are really smart. Like that can be a whole episode, but they're taking things that are like uniquely seen as feminine and maybe, like traditionally like look down upon like pink or you know paris hilton with her little dog and like juxtaposing it with this very like thought out academic statement Mm. that totally relates
0: right and one of my dear friends her name's cindy she works in the public health sector in new york city and she um she made a meme just like generated something super fast on like some app she found mm-hmm. that was dealing with, it was around the time that um, Obamacare was going to be repealed. And she made some memes from one of the alt-right Trump senators and something that he said, I wasn't Paul Ryan, I forget who it was exactly, but anyway, it's point of story. She made these, memes and like just like emailed them meant like randomly to her manager and they were like, This is brilliant. Like, oh my God, we have to post these. Cause essentially what she does is she makes graphs and charts to make people understand the landscape of public health and like their healthcare coverage right mm-hmm. now. And like she is probably going she like literally is going to start going to go to work and make memes. Oh my god Isn't that crazy? Dream Dream job. job. Okay, so kind of just to segue, my favorite thing that I saw, I actually did not post it in our little note because I just remembered because I think I wrote um, my favorite thing was Lindsay Lohan in a burkini because apparently Lindsay Lohan has converted to Islam and is like, she's she's just doing her, her shit right now. But... Um, my friend Philip, just I brought that up to him, and he showed me a video which I will find of Lindsay Lohan is trying to get a new reality TV show picked up that she is starring. It's like a punked, like, <laughs> like thing. So essentially, what happens in this show is that um, I, get, I think it's, it's it's a prank reality TV show. It, it's she's calling it the Anti Social Network. Mm -hmm. And what she does is she takes over someone's social media accounts and tries to embarrass them for like 24 hours. So like in the, in the, uh, the preview or like the little thing that she made to sell it, she like gets this guy's like phone and tells him that he has to like, that he signed up for like a, like a nude art drawing class and he's the model and then like um he like makes stuff up with she makes stuff up with like the dude's boss and ends up having to kiss his boss i don't know i just think it's a really funny concept to have Lindsay lohan who is one of the best internet personalities i would say uh Mm -hmm. take over someone's social media and make a show about it it would be very entertaining and that uh commercial alone was like really hilarious it hasn't even been picked up yet Oh, it's actually on her Twitter. I just found it.
1: Yeah, I was saying that I really liked that idea, like having Lindsay Lohan punk your social media account. Like, that's such a good idea for a show.
0: Oh my God, it's such a good idea, right? And it's actually pinned, I found it, it's pinned to her Twitter right now, (laughs) which is awesome. Look it up, laugh out loud with us. We should pitch it. Someone should pitch this shit to Hulu and make it work. Hulu exclusive. A Hulu exclusive. Yes. Or maybe I feel like VH1 would like want this, but I think it's better meant for web since it's social media.
1: Yeah. web. But I ain't her producer. I ain't your producer, Lindsay. (laughs) Lindsay
0: Lohan, I ain't your producer. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was. Hmm. Lindsay Lohan, can I be your producer? (laughs) Can I hack your social media account? Actually... I can't because you have, you do such a phenomenal job. Yeah, you I love know. everything. Your work. I love your work.
1: <laughs> Lindsay, I love your work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so thanks you guys so much. Our amazing listeners for joining us. You can find our podcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes. And we're so excited to be back.
1: Yes. And we're on Twitter and Facebook. On everything we're what's good broadcast except for Twitter, we're at what's good show. And
0: And if you can wanna email us if we buck something up, if we if we said something that you had a comment about, please, please email us at what's good broadcast at gmail.com. And also if you are ever so inclined, I we would love, love, love some iTunes reviews. It would yes. be so great to hear your feedback and that way we can make these things the show even more entertaining and better and we're having so much fun making this again so glad to be back
1: yeah and i think definitely these topics are like a work in progress like we want to get better at addressing them so if you have any like you know qualms with us please don't hesitate to email us or something
0: Right. We won't we won't trump you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's our show. Bye. Bye. Bye.